Hello everyone, Carter here, bringing you another episode of Out of the Hourglass, presented by Nolan Consulting Group, a podcast dedicated to helping small business owners and contractors like you visualize their goals, develop their team, and build sustainable growth, so that business operations don't run solely through them. We want to get business owners out of the hourglass. Today's episode continues our SL2 Experience Series featuring NCG coach Colin Nolan and hosted by Molly Nolan. This time, they're covering the D3 learner and S3 leader. What traits are common to someone in D3 in a particular area? What are some of the risks of someone sticking around too long in D3? All of this and much more. Don't forget to stick around for the end where Colin puts Molly's knowledge to the test with a short quiz for you to play along with. Thanks for listening, and as always, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Enjoy the show. Thanks, Carter. It's great to be back today with Colin Nolan for a continuance of our SL2 experience series. Colin, thanks for joining us for another conversation. You bet. So we're in the real heart of this series right now. We've touched on SMART goals, which I think for me was the most impactful to date because it really set up the following conversations with conversations with a little bit more of a you know definition of what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially as we we explored what the, you know the different development styles D one and D two in terms of competence and commitment of a learner, which we call D one through D four, correct in the series. Uh, so before we jump into talking about today's development style, which is D three, the D three learner and the D and the S three support, mm-hmm. can you give us a quick refresher on smart goals and then a little bit about D one D two? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's smart goals are, are always pretty relatable because everybody has goals, right? Um, so um, smart goals are goals that are specific, motivating, attainable, relevant, and trackable. The key with smart goals is that the S and the T of the smart are written down somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we talked a lot about it on that podcast. When you write down goals, they become real because you could potentially fail now and not achieve. So it's a little scary. Um, so you always want to write down the specific and trackable of the SMART goal. Mm-hmm. The motivating, attainable, and relevant are conversation pieces that you need to have with whoever you're leading or whoever is leading you. Is this So if you're leading someone, right, is this new position you had in mind uh, for this individual motivating for them? Do they want this promotion, right? Or are they happy with their work-life balance as is? If you're coming up with goals for yourself and you bring this to your leader, does your leader think it's attainable for you to achieve this goal? Um, and then is it relevant? Is it relevant to where the organization is going um, and, and the organization's uh, vision for the future? Um, so those are the five, I guess, parameters of the SMART goal. Um, make sure you write down the S and the T. Have the conversation around the motivating, attainable, and the relevant. Um, and then, we're, then you want me to do a review of the D1s and D2s? Yeah, I think, I think just to, as you know, the progression of from the SMART to the, D, the, to the D1, the, the D2, now the D3, sure. uh, which we, we would say if you haven't listened to those episodes yet, you know, we're, and if you're joining us just now, please give us a hold and go listen to those items first Certainly just to be able back. to lay out uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of the foundation of what we're talking about today. Right. This will make a lot more sense if you listen to those two. Um, so quickly going over the D1 uh, development style with the S1 leadership style. So someone who is at D1 in a given goal or task 
They are energetic about the goal. They have a high commitment towards the goal, right? They're motivated and they're confident. They're excited, uh, but they have low competency because they've never done that specific goal or task before. However, they don't really understand that because they believe that their transferable skills will be enough. So it's the enthusiastic beginner, right? It's whenever you've t undertaken a new challenge, you try something new, you say yes to uh, really to anything new in your life, you're pretty much going to be a D1 because you've never done this before, yet you're saying yes to it. So you must be relatively excited about it. So when you're leading a D1, you want to use the S1 leadership style. You want to be high directive, low supportive. So high directive is telling and showing how, having timelines, identifying priorities, um, and really making sure everyone knows exactly what to do at every given second. It's, I'm going to stay with you and, and show you how to do it, and then I'm going to watch you do it. And it's low support. So what we mean by low support is they don't really need encouragement at this point. They don't need you to listen or ask questions because they don't know anything yet. So you really, you, there's not a whole lot that needs to go on there. Um, so then moving on, you know, once you've been in uh, D1 for any period of time, eventually you will likely move to, to D2. We, do, they call it, we call it the D2 dip. Um, the D2 dip is where you finally realize what you don't know and that this is now different than what you thought it was going to be like, right? So this new job is different than what I thought and had imagined it to be. So prior where you had no competence but high commitment because you were excited, now you still have no competence, but now your commitment, right? You're no longer confident in your abilities because now you know it's different. You've almost had that reality check. Right. Of you're not as prepared for this as you thought you were. So that's, that's what we call the disillusioned learner. So it's someone who now realizes kind of where they're at and is lacking the motivation and confidence piece. Uh, so what a D2 needs from their leader is S2 leadership, which is now high directive, high supportive, right? So we're, we're jumping in first with the high directive. We are encouraging, asking questions, we're listening, right? And then after we've kind of brought them back to a level head, we're, bringing, we're going full in with the direction still. Here's what we need to do. So it's, it's pretty... Uh, time intensive in that regard. So we have the D1, the enthusiastic learner, the D2, the dis disillusioned learner, and then we have D3, which I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm going in here blind myself, so I'm excited to learn what's next. Yeah, D3 is, is probably, I would say, the most interesting development level. Okay. So this is someone, if you're at a D3 development level, this means that you've passed what I call the competence barrier. So the competence barrier is between D2 and D3. So when you're in D1 and D2, you are not competent yet in whatever you're doing. It's your commitment that is either high or low, and that dictates if you're in D1 or D2, right? Can I ask a question? Um, does someone ever skip D2 altogether, and can you jump from a D1 to a D3? No, you can skip D1. Okay. You can start off in D2. Um, like starting off in D2 means things are pretty rough. So you start off in D2 likely when you're in a role and someone asks you to take on a task. You're like, I really don't want to do this. I've never done it before. I'm not going to be good at it. I don't want to know what I'm doing, okay. but it's part of my job, so I have to do it. Got it. That makes sense. You would be a D2 there, okay. right? It's kind of a part of, you know, if everything about that job was D2, maybe you'd quit, right, because you don't want to do anything about mm -hmm. that job. But typically it's, it's parts of something. Um, in life, 
you can be a D zero, which is you don't, you just don't do it. Right. I, I may never go skydiving one day cause I'm a scared cat and I'm a D zero. You're that, not alone there. Right. <laughs> when I was young, I, I wanted to skydive, but now I'm, I'm thinking about the risk. Yeah. <laughs> um, the older so, you get, the more risk uh, averse we become. Right. So, um, with D2, you always go through D2, always, whether you start there or you come from D1. Okay. But the difference is the level you go to at D2. Now, you may it may be a short dip, like, all right, it's a little different, but I'm, I think I might be okay here, versus the end of the world, right? So the severity of the D2 is what, is what differs. Got it. Um, so everyone p- passes through D2, just at different, different levels. Okay. But at some point, they get to D3. So if you're moving from D2 to D3, it means you've passed the competence barrier. You now have proven to whoever you are working with or to your leader that you have some goal or task-specific knowledge. You've developed competency in this goal or task. However, you are likely still somewhat in a D2 mindset where you, re- you remember those days of being a D2 because they, they were just potentially yesterday or the week before or the month before or whatever it was. And you're going, yeah, I'm doing okay now, but I don't really have a handle on it. Would you say for some people or for a lot of people, this is where self-doubt comes into play, where mm-hmm. you're, you're doing a better job than you actually think you are? It's exactly what D3 typically is, correct? Okay. Yeah. I feel like a, a lot of people live in this realm in a lot of different mm-hmm. areas of their life. Absolutely. So uh, it's rare for somebody to diagnose themselves as a D3. It's common for a leader to, leader to diagnose their employee as a D3, right? Because okay. a leader sees them, them making strides and goes, they're a D3. I, I know that they can do it. They've shown me they can do it. They see the potential. But that person is going, I don't know. I don't, I don't really trust in myself yet, right? So they're in that D2 mindset. Okay. So it's a lack of confidence. That's what's going on. They don't have confidence in their competence. So they they are they're now somewhat competent, but their confidence hasn't hasn't matched their competence level quite yet. They're now somewhat competent. Yep. But their confidence has not come along for the ride. Correct. Got it. Yes. Okay. So that's that's the typical D three. They're self critical. They doubt themselves. They they make meaningful contributions, right? They have a couple. So they have some good days where they think that they they're getting the hang of it. Then they'll something will happen, and they're like, I'm right back where I started, right? That's the classic D three. Mm-hmm. The difference between a D three and a D four is that when a D four makes mistakes, they recognize that mistakes are a part of life, right? Yeah, I forgot to turn that in today. I don't know how that happened. I'll make sure it doesn't happen again. But they don't let it personally affect them. Um, they don't get self critical. Correct. The, the D3 is still playing that mental mind game. They're, they're self-doubting themselves. Gotcha. So um, when it comes to being a D3 and lacking that confidence, that is what happens when you move from D2 to D3. It's the confidence piece that's missing. Now, D3 is really unique because oftentimes you will be at a D3 at something, and you could be coming from D2 or coming from D4. You can move down from a D4 to D3. Now, we haven't done D4 yet, but if you're kind of following along with the patterns here, you can imagine D4 is that accomplished person, right? Someone who's fully confident, fully committed. But people don't stay there forever. 
uh, if people get bored of their work, right? If I'm doing a repetitive task for 30 years, I may become bored of that work. I may become apathetic. I may no longer be, be motivated. Okay. That motivation loss factors into commitment. So my commitment becomes low. So dedication and commitment kind of fall on the same playing playing field here. Correct. And when you're, when you're lacking commitment, you're lacking the discretionary effort, you're not putting in the detail that you normally do, mistakes will happen and you fall back to D3. So when you're giving D3, S3 leadership, you need to first figure out where are they coming from, which is usually pretty easy to, right? right. A D2 is very different from a D4. So not too difficult to, uh, to really diagnose there, but it is different depending on where they're coming from. Um, that kind of leadership. Low performer versus high performer, something has changed. You, you know where they've come from. Correct, exactly. Um, so you're either addressing their confidence being missing or their motivation being missing. Someone could be in D3 coming from D2 and still be motivated to get better, but they just don't believe that they, that they can, right? Whereas someone coming from D4 to D3 like, yeah, I know I could do this. I've done it for 30 years. I just don't want to anymore. I am actively disengaging, right? Confidence is not an issue. They're choosing to not be motivated around it. Um, so when it comes to leading, it matters. Uh, so moving on to the S3 yes. leadership style. So uh, we'll, we'll spend most of our time here assuming someone's coming from D2 to, to D3. That tends to be the, the biggest issue. Um, so this is, this is probably the most difficult leadership style to master if it's not your dominant style. I think I, I'm, I've probably said in the past that everybody has a dominant leadership style, right? We have dominant everything. We have mm -hmm. dominant hands we write with, right? So you have a default leadership style. If your default style is an S1 or an S2, which is high directive, do this at this time, switching to S3 can feel like you're taking your hands off the, the wheel of your car while you're on the highway. You, how can you trust that's going to go in the right place? Yes. I'm not instructing you. How will I know you can do this, right? You're almost, we, I think Andrew talked about this on uh, the last podcast, or one, one of the last ones that we, we did, but there's an addiction to the urgency and yeah. to getting things done, right? Get out of the way, I'll solve this, right? You need to do it this way, right? And you feel like you're doing something. So proper S3 leadership is not about being efficient. It's not about solving problems. It's not about getting things done in the physical world. It's about developing an individual who you know has a competency that's where it needs to be. Uh, and the, what's lacking is their confidence. So you don't give direction to a D3. Why? Because they already have competence. You've seen it, or else you wouldn't be diagnosing them a D3 to begin with, right? So if they truly are a D3, then they are competent, right? You know they can do it. So the conversation focuses around fully supportive behaviors from the leader. What, what seems to be the problem? What have you tried in the past? What are some solutions you think could work here? Both of those sound great. I think either one of those could work. You provide tons of encouragement. You ask a lot of questions. So right? you're not trying to, like you said, you're not trying to solve the problem for them. You're trying to guide them along to help them right. solve the problem. You're trying to activate the problem-solving part of their brain. Gotcha. Because in the past, they're used to, I have a problem. I go to Colin. Colin tells me what to do. It fixes my problem, right? 
that's how you develop people who aren't self-reliant. That was you needed to do that in D1 and D2 because they didn't know what they were doing yet. And if you're a business owner or a manager or a director, you need individuals to be handling tasks that you don't have to be completely directive of. You right. ha there has to be that trust that... Every, everybody can... wants self-reliant people. Yes. And, and when you don't get it, it's because you're not doing S3 the right way. So um, you are not providing solutions to problems at S3. You're leading them down a path to where they get it themselves. The ultimate goal here is for them Critical to, tr thinking. to try and, and sometimes fail and to learn and to grow and to, be, to begin to build confidence in their problem-solving abilities, confidence in their competence, right? Unless they do this on their own, they're never going to get there. So you are taking your hands off the wheel. So they are coming up with the solutions. It's let's talk, you decide, right? And, you know, 5 10% of the time, they'll bring up possible solutions that will be totally crazy and wouldn't work or put safety at at risk, right? Mm -hmm. In which case you'll go, eh, here's what we're going to do, right? And you purposefully mismatch because they were just off on that one. But in cases where it's not that it's a calculated risk, safety's not at risk, or, you know, important, important relationships aren't, aren't at risk, it's, a, it's something that you can afford to give a little leeway on, you take the risk. So you focus on being effective for that individual, not efficient for that job or for that assignment. So this type sense. of leadership takes practice. This is not something that you're going to be able to walk, probably walk into the office tomorrow and say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna nail yeah. how to how to lead this person in, in a D3 style." It's it probably takes some well thought out planning of how you're going to approach a conversation when someone is struggling, because you're trying to back away from your natural tendency. Yeah, you're trying to break a bad habit, yeah. right? So like you could have all the best intentions, intentions in the world and go, I'm going to be an S3 today with this individual around this. But then, you know, you're thinking about something else and they call you with a question and you just answer it because it's a habit, mm -hmm. right? When you really should have gone, I don't know, but what do you think? What have you tried here in the past? What, what's worked for you in these types of situations, right? How do you think we should handle this employee? Right, that's what you should do. So it's difficult for that to to happen because you're going to fall into bad habits. So my recommendation would be to you know you need to force this kind of change, to plan for one-on-one -on -one huddles with individuals and go, I'm going to go into this and be an S3, and kind of build that muscle the purposeful way. Is there a period of time where there's concern if someone is in that D3 for so long where their competence is there, but their confidence is just never matching up? They always are self-doubting themselves. Yeah, I mean, everyone's different. Um, but I'm, I'm a believer that with enough S3 leadership and enough time, people can get to D4 at any given task. Because if, if they are D3, that means they do have the competency, right? They can do it. So if they've gotten there, if they've learned the technical know-how, mm -hmm. then with enough time and enough of the right leadership styles, they sh their, their mental state should get there as well. So let's bring this into some real-life application here. Uh, what are some 
either common, exam common examples that you can provide of pe people in a D3 position or even in your own world where you've been a D3. Sure. Um, kind of going back in, you know, in the previous episodes, we talked about your experience uh, with DISC and yep. reviewing uh, DISC profiles with companies, um, and then also your own personal triathlons and how you've kind of rolled through sure. the stages. So for me, the um, this kind of uh, development style really comes into play um, when you know what's coming, right? So when I was a D1 at DISC, I didn't know what I was getting into. When I was a D2, I really need, I needed some some direction and some support. But when you get to D3, you know, it's like you have that DISC debrief scheduled, scheduled on your calendar for, you know, a week out, and you're like, oh, gosh, am I – That's it's kind of like a dread, right? It's like a – Can I do this? I know things have gone wrong, like things that have been difficult around this in the past, and you just get nervous. You're not fully confident that's going to go well. And it hangs over your head for that entire week up until that call starts. And most of the time it does go well. Why? Because you're competent, right? You do have that competence. Yeah. But it's it's the um, procrastination can be a real factor of D3s, right? You push things out that you don't want to do. Even 100%. though you could do it, you're just not confident in yourself, right? Yeah. So with DISCs, that, that's what it was. It was knowing I had a debrief coming up, and even though – I was competent and it was going to go well, um, really dreading it and not being confident in my abilities. So with, with triathlon, this would, this would really come into play with, you know, when I had a triathlon coach and I was really nervous and I even knew what my coach was going to tell me in the pre-race uh, pre calls, but something about him telling me these things and reassuring me gave me the confidence to go out and perform and to execute the race plan that we put together. I think I, I knew I could do it, but but you're still just you're not fully confident yet, right? So it's it's at the point at that this was at the point in my triathlon career where I was working with the coach for a while. I knew the ins and outs. I was competent in putting together training blocks, executing a race, but you still know what could go wrong, right? right. The, the the cramping episodes of the past are still fresh in your mind. Or have I prepared enough? You seem to forget all of those weeks that you mm -hmm. and those of those hours that you did put in and your coach is there to remind you, look back at those 16 weeks of training mm -hmm. and all the workouts that you went through or look at all this training that you went through for um, analyzing disc profiles mm -hmm. and how many different companies, individuals you've, sp you've spoken to. You almost need somebody else. to Reminders, uh, that's funny, Mal, reminders of past successes yes. is a hallmark of S3 leadership. I can think of my own experiences right. of, in a similar you know, race sense, walking up to a, a marathon morning being like, can I actually do this? Mm -hmm. But then it's your coach, because I do have a running coach, who is the one pumping you up that morning, as well as many other people in your world, uh, but who is reminding you of all those days that you, you, you put in the hours. Right. And it's, they give you the little bit of boosts that you need. They, they give you the confidence to execute the plan that you want to execute, right? Whereas if you didn't have that additional person building you up, giving you motivation, then maybe you, you start off too slow in the race because you're still nervous about, you know, do I actually have the, you know, the, the training I need for this, right? right? So you start off too slow and then you miss your, your target because of that. Um, so for someone to, to guide you and go, no, you, you can hold this pace for this long. I've, you've done it before. You can do it again, right? It gives you the authority to almost go out and do it. You had it all along, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's the motivation and the push. They're not really telling you what, what to do. They're not really, you know, you can do it. 
that point. It's a pivotal challenge point where you're finally being asked or you're stepping up to a plate that you already are, are competent at, but you just don't know it yourself. And it's, it's, it's almost like a make or break in a sense mm-hmm. where you're, you're finally testing yourself as, you know, with all the past successes, it's, it's in you. You just got to believe in yourself. Exactly. So to kind of go on the, on the opposite side of the coin here, um, with if you have someone who started in D4 and moved back to a D3, right, how do you lead them? So you don't address the confidence piece, you address the motivation piece. So what's going on? Where's the disengagement coming from? How do we re-engage you here? Is there, how do we challenge you? How do we, you know, you've been doing the same thing for a long time. Why don't we give you a new task, a new role? Why don't you try this initiative? Why don't you lead this group, right? Things to make them re-engage the problem-solving part of their brain again. Mm -hmm. Because prior, things became so repetitive, it became boring. So that's all about, you know, continuing to to find a way to re-engage them from a motivation standpoint. So probably D4 to D3 in simplest terms is you're stuck in a rut. You yeah. you just you've hit a point where you're kind of out of it and you need to either need to redirect to find something different that's going to motivate you or find what motivated you in an engagement level the mm-hmm. first time around. You've you've lost the fire so to speak. Right. Yep. Yeah, so that's that's kind of my uh the best way that I can kind of relate AS3 to D3 and in, in the real world the real world there it's the the, the dread and the nervousness and the lack of confidence going into to events that you've proven you can do in the past. What I love about this um, whole series is that in every conversation that we've had, I think, I mean, I know that I can relate, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners can also think about something that, that they either did or done, whether it's a task or an event, something that, something that they've signed up for, a new job, where they have felt all of these feelings. Mm-hmm. They're very real feelings. And now we're just, you know, we're formalizing what they mean and how to support it. And so whether it's yourself uh, saying, I think, I think I'm a D2 right now and knowing what to ask for or what kind of support you need or whether you're, you're, you, you said it's hard to self-diagnose a D3, but I can also often think of situations that I would know that I'm a D3 in. But I think having that power to know where you stand and being able to ask for support or the kind of direction that you need in terms of leadership is, is critical and, and such a, a strong uh, skill to have. Mm-hmm. It's easy now looking back because you're luckily a D4 at some things that you were a D3 at, right? Mm-hmm. Like running your first marathon. Like looking back, you're going to say, yeah, that was, that was a D3 then, right? But that's because now it's, you're not there anymore, right? Right. Or learning how to use a new program. People sure. who think about uh, a lot of our clients use MailChimp or Smartsheets and just learning the, the basic functions and the tools and how to use it to its, its um, highest capability. You go through those development styles. You're, you start, start off excited. Then you get maybe frustrated because you can't figure it out. Uh, then you begin to do it and you, get, you begin to get better at it. And all of a sudden you are the expert. Mm-hmm. So, you, you seem to have a bit of a mastery here. How about we... We moved to the quiz. Are my D4ing uh, SL2? That's the, is we'll that, see. Is that what uh, we, we're figuring out here? So tell me what some signs of a D3 are when they're coming from a D2. Some signs of a D3 when coming from a, D, a D2. Um, someone who is beginning to figure out 
the the task is has been doing it well repetitively but still self-doubts when things either aren't don't go well sometimes or they they just they're they're living in their head as to everything that could possibly go wrong Mm -hmm. and what do they need from an s3 they need someone to uh, remind them that they know what they're doing and that they can do this project or this task or this role and they just need some guidance along the way to help them problem solve and figure things out basically i guess is leading the horse to water a good example and it's like you're helping them along the way but you're not telling them exactly where it is yeah so you're you're asking questions yeah you're engaging the problem solving part of their brain you're making them come up with their own solutions forcing you to make some to start critical thinking about how you would solve this problem without Mm -hmm without the answer being directly given to you. Call me back in, in five minutes with two solutions, right? It's that like Connell, age old, Connell Morini always says that, yeah, that, that term. That's, that, that, that's, Shout out this to is Mr. The, Connell. Uh, this is where it would apply. So mm-hmm. why is S3 difficult to master for you know dominant people, you know, high Ds or high directive people? I think high directive dominant individuals are also people who go after effectiveness and efficiency. Efficiency. And so they want to just get things done and keep it rolling and never take the time to fully stand back and let somebody else take over. Uh, And instead of wanting, instead of trying to lead that horse to water, they're telling them where it is or how Mm -hmm. to fix it um, and not letting them solve it themselves. Right. It's, It's the idea addiction to urgency getting things done i it's solve faster problems if i right. tell you the answer than for you to take 30 minutes to go figure it out yourself efficiency over effectiveness right yeah. um and then last one here so who's coming up with solutions in a s3d3 huddle the learner is coming up with the solutions and the learner is a d3 yes yes how'd i do very good not, not too bad I feel like I'm, uh, I'm scoring some good, uh, good grades on these on these quizzes. Yeah, you're doing pretty well. You must have a good teacher. I think I, I think I do. <laughs> I, you know, I don't often give uh, you the credit where it's deserved, so I think this time around I'll. Uh, I'll it's say, always easy when the teacher creates the quiz or test. That way, they know they can make their students look good, right? This is true. Yeah. No, but I, I, um, I think you're, the examples that you're giving and the way that you're we're walking through this um, is really helpful. And like I said, I. You know, to our listeners as well, I've come into this with not much background of the SL2 uh, learning experience. So this has been really helpful for me walking through each episode. And like we said, each episode builds on the previous. So we hope that you um, you go back to SMART goals, you go back to D1, D2. Take a listen to them a couple different times, especially when you come across different employees, colleagues, friends, family in your life who might be in different positions where you think you might be able to support them based upon where they're at. Colin, anything else before we, we call it a close on today's episode? No, just just looking forward to the last uh, installment with D4. Yeah, uh, me too. I think it'll be a good wrap up to the series. And as always, if anyone has any questions about SL2 experience, uh, about an, a, their own situation where they might need some guidance, uh, we definitely encourage you to reach out. Um, you can contact us at info at nolancg.com. Or if you have any just comments or questions um, related to Out of the Hourglass podcast, again, info at nolancg.com or visit our website, www.nolancg.com. 
Thanks, Carl. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. Out of the Hourglass is recorded and produced by the team at Nolan Consulting Group, a nationwide business consulting firm located outside Philadelphia. Have a question, comment, or idea for future episodes? We'd like to hear from you. Visit our website, www.nolancg.com.